0: there's going to be a little backlash but I'm going to go there anyways. My wife is 39 years old again today. She's the, she's the, she's the woman laying in the pew over here <laughs> hiding and she wasn't here for me to rise to Kelly's challenge and say Brenda, I love you to bits. You weren't here for that. You'll have to ask somebody. Anyhow, the reading from uh, Psalm 16, starting in uh, verse 7. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. And my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. Please turn
1: in your your pew Bibles to page 388 again, where we just were in Psalm 16. while you're doing that, I'll mention that the free tax thing is happening from 2 until 5 today. So if you want some free income tax assistance from 2 o'clock until 5 o'clock or any of Monty's offering that, you might want to be here. I want you to look at the last verse that John read. And I want to ask this question, where does the joy happen? Where does the joy take place? Somebody tell me. What's that? (laughs) Good try, Trevor. That's close. There's definitely joy down in our hearts. What's that? The tongue rejoices, but what I want to know is this. Look at look at verse eleven. You've made known to me the path of life, you will fill me with joy. Where? In your presence with eternal pleasures, where? At your right hand. Like in your presence, at your right hand is where joy takes place. You know, we want so badly to be, and rightfully so, joy-filled people. And you think, where, where is joy going to come for me? How am I going to have joy and this morning it is so clear to me that the joy takes place in his presence right at his right hand now i want you to turn to john 15 gospel of john chapter 15 it's page 764 in the pew bibles Last week, we did a little survey. Actually, it was a big survey. It took quite a while. There were six areas of growth, six areas on which Tom Rainer says Christians need to focus if growth is going to take place in their lives. And the first one, you might remember this, the first area in which he was talking about that had to do with abiding in him. Look at verse 11 of chapter 15. He says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. But he doesn't answer right there what the things are that he has just said. And so you have to go up above to find out where the things are said that become the foundation For the joy that is supposed to be ours. Now, he actually says several things in the verses just prior to this that kind of are going to bring us joy. For example, in verse 8, he mentions that we need to bear fruit. That's one of the things that he says is going to be part of a Christian's life if you bear fruit, and I think the point is, it's going to help bring you joy. Also, in verse 8, he specifically says that we need to become or to be disciples of Jesus. He says that that is something that is going to bring a person joy. In verse 10, he says, you need to keep his commandments. And then in verse 7, he says, we can ask for things and he will grant them, at least for those who believe. And all those things are things that are going to bring us joy. But this morning, I want to focus on one special thing that I think will bring us joy. A hundred and eighteen times in the New Testament, there's a little four-letter word used in Greek. The word is meno. Now, I want everybody to say with me, this is very easy, isn't it? I want you to say, everybody with me, meno. Ready? Meno. Meno. But you have no clue what it means. You just said it. You just spoke Greek and don't know it. So when you say it's Greek to me, it really is. Meno means to abide. It means to reside. It means to remain with, intensely close to. And 118 times the word meno is used in the New Testament. Now what's interesting is that of those 118 times that the word meno is used, 40 of those... 40 of the 118 occur in the Gospel of John and 27 others occur in 1 John. Which means 40 plus 27 is 67. Way over half the times that the word meno is used, it comes in the writings of John. You get the impression from that that maybe John was a little bit into this word. That he was a little bit concerned about. There's 27 books John is one of many writers in the New Testament, but over half the times he's the one who's using the word meadow. You get the impression that meadow may have meant something to him, and indeed it does. So look at chapter 15, verse 1, and let's read through this together and just count the number of times that you see the word remain, because that's typically how in the NIV Bibles it'll say remain. If you have a different translation, it may well say abide. But probably stay or remain or abide is going to be the word that you're going to see in chapter 15. Count how many times this occurs. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You were already be clean, clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. A man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my, my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands, and remain in his love. Now did you count them up? What would you get? Eleven! Okay, depending on the translation. Could be 9, could be 10, could be 11. I can tell you that in Greek, the, the original word meno actually occurs 10 times in those verses that we read. The NIV puts 11 in there just to make sure there's a smooth transla- translation of it. But the point is, is that Jesus was really concerned about people remaining in him or abiding in him. In fact, I really like the word abide here. I wish the NIV used the word abide it's more than just remaining. It has to do with, with living with. Someone said, are you still with my, your spouse after all these years? You wouldn't just say, yes, I remain with her. <laughs> but you might well say, I dwell with her. Or better yet, probably what you would say is, Yes, we still are married. We still have relationship. We're still together, solidly together, abiding together. And that's what Jesus was talking about. Living, dwelling, abiding, staying with him in a significant way. Abiding in God, as I said, is one of the six major growth factors from last week. Tom Rainer identifies it as something that a person needs to do in order to be with God. The question is, what does it really mean? What does it mean to abide with Christ? I think Rainer's bang on. I think he's right in saying that abiding with God, abiding in God, is exactly crucial to what it means for us to grow And to have a fulfilling life in Christ. John says it's crucial to have the joy, as he quotes Jesus, that Christ wants us to have before him. But what does it really mean? This week I was listening to the radio. Now, because I'm not Canadian, this happened probably when I was not uh, in Canada or something. But I, I don't remember Jungle Jim Hunter in the Olympics, but some of you might. Does anybody remember Jungle Jim Hunter? Okay, I've got a hand back there, a hand back there, a hand over here. Okay, some of you remember Jungle Jim Hunter. If you listen on Saturday mornings, every Saturday morning when I'm taking Megan to violin, I turn on the radio while we're on the way there and I listen to Jungle Jim Hunter give us a little spiel on what he thinks about coaching and athletics and how Olympic athletes can do really well. This Saturday he was telling this story, actually he was interviewing, I should say, uh, one of the athletes who is not currently an Olympic athlete, but who trains them and who coaches. And he, in the past, he had done very well in Olympic competitions and things. And Jung, Jungle Jim Hunter said to him, what's uh, what's your secret here for your success in athletics? And the guy said, well, let me tell you a story. He said, one day I was going down a run in a competition and it was huge for me. Like this was a world cup competition or something and the guy said this was my big shining moment and as I was going down the course I fell. He said I tumbled head over heels and I finished lying flat on my back laying in the snow realizing that all my dreams had just blown up. Everything that I'd worked for just exploded on me as I'm lying there in the snow. And he said, and then I thought this. The thing that will sustain me, he's laying here and he's thinking to himself, the thing that is going to sustain me and get me through this are my relationships. He said, I realized that my parents who had devoted so much of their time to helping me be a skier were not going to go away because I'm lying back on my back in the snow. All my friends that loved me, who cared for me, and all the skiers, everybody else with whom I had relationships, none of those people were going to leave me and desert me because I took a tumble and didn't get the medal or finish the competition or whatever that I was working for as I'm lying there in the snow. And I heard that story, and I thought, that's exactly how we are, or should be. Recognizing that no matter what goes on in life, our relationships, and most importantly, the one that we have with Jesus Christ is the one sustaining relationship. And whatever it is that you need to get through, the best way, the most effective way, the crucial way to get through it, is by abiding. Abiding in Him. There are certain things that a plant needs to grow. Tell me what a plant needs to grow. Warren? Light. Light. You've got to have sunlight. What else? Water. water. you got to have water. What else? Dirt. But what's in dirt? Nutrients. nutrients. Sure. you got to have at least those three things. And I'm guessing that in the nutrients, there are going to be things like nitrogen. It's probably high nitrogen content, okay? So there's some elements in there, and then there's something that comes out of the air that all plants need, and that is CO2, carbon dioxide. So you've got to have like three or four major ingredients in order to grow. It seems to me like what Jesus is saying to us is, there's essentially one ingredient ingredient that we need to grow, and that is Abiding in Him. You know, last week we did this survey thing. Some of you probably hated it. Some of you loved it. I had both comments come to me about it. If nothing else, though, you look at that list of the things, and please, I encourage you to go do this again. You look at that list of the things that Tom Rayner says a Christian needs to have in his or her life in order to grow those constitute elements that we all need, I think, just like a plant needs in order to grow. And if this relationship with Christ, abiding in Him is the sustaining thing, if it's the thing that when I'm lying on my back in some awful position, and life for me has taken a horrible tumble, if it's the thing that when I'm lying on my back, I say, this is the one thing that's going to sustain me, then doing things to help that relationship be fostered, to develop what we have in Christ and to abide in Him in an ever-deepening, ever-growing way is absolutely crucial for every Christian here today. And so I encourage you to go and look again at the list of the things that are in the section on abiding in God. See where you are on those things. And make available to yourself the sun and the CO2 and the water and the nutrients that will allow you to grow in Jesus as God wants you to grow. Let's pray. Holy Father, it's easy for us to see how important it is that we abide in you. It's so clear, God, that that you, through your Son, have communicated to us that abiding in you is right at the center of who we are as Christians. Help us to dwell in you. Help us to live with and in you. Help us to abide in you, God. And the things that we need to do, the the growth opportunities, the things that we can participate in, the manner of living that will allow us to abide in you, help us to seize those, to take opportunity to put them into, to interject them into our lives, that every possibility for growth will be ours. We thank you for the privilege this morning of sharing together our life of faith. It's through Christ that we pray.
0: Amen.